Welcome, everybody. Uh, yes, my mighty thought. We're off to a much better start this time than last time. Welcome to our live week seven recap show. Tonight, we'll talk through all four games from last week, including the game that was moved due to uh, COVID-related circumstances. Uh, we'll recap the other games. We'll give our players of the week, update our power rankings. Spoiler alert, there's a lot of identical in the Miss Week. Talked about that as well. Uh, we'll also take your comments and questions in the chat uh, throughout the night as they come in. This is all made possible because of our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. You can learn more at Facebook.com. Uh, Batswas Game Time TV MB. Hello to all of you joining us live tonight here on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, the Game Time TV YouTube page, as well as all of you listening or watching on demand. Before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention that we're a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. As always, we want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Oceanabe, Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Netota, and Métis Nation. Without further ado, let's bring in the rest of the panel. It's only three of us tonight, as Ryan Coop has the night off. He's trusted us with the keys to the car, so we'll attempt to keep the show on the road. Brave but, man, brave man. <laughs> yeah, the man you've already heard from, uh, he is below me, I guess. Uh, yeah, below me in the bottom part of your screen. His name is Adam Stewart. Good evening, Adam. Good evening, Mike. How are you today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I did, just so everybody knows here, turn the studio lights off uh, because they are an incredible temperature above my head, as you can imagine, for an hour and a half. So I yeah, have you, you don't have to worry about Mike being kidnapped or anything. He's fine. Yeah, He's in a good place. Just <laughs> thought I made that clear. And uh, directly above slash beside me, at least virtually, you say good evening to Trey Colbert. Good evening, Trey. I have the high ground. Had to say it. Um, I'm doing great. Ready to talk some football. Yeah, it's a good week. Have a, let's get at her. So one thing quickly before we get to the week, but was on the breaking news. Uh, there are two elements of breaking news that I wanted to uh, touch on quickly. A minor trade and then an unfortunate uh, passing this week uh, in the Canadian Football League. Uh, we did want to mention that on Wednesday night show, there will be a major announcement. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Uh, exciting stuff happening, uh, as always, with that. So you won't want to miss it. They'll go Wednesday night. In fact, it's 48 hours from right now. So make the calendar uh, notification. Uh, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain, uh, Mountain slash Saskatchewan time. 
uh, 7 p.m. in the Pacific time zone. Adjust your time zones accordingly uh, to where you're tuning us in. And we thank you very much for tuning us in. I'm not sure which one of you wants to discuss this, but we did have a minor trade uh, in the CFL today. Adam, I don't know if you have it up in front of you. Uh, you yeah. do? Okay, yeah, we'll talk about this. Uh, it's a trade between the Elks and the Red Blacks. Not earth-shattering, but I just quantify this as breaking news. Yeah, for sure. And let's face it, I always wanted to be a commissioner and say that we have a trade to announce. Uh, in this case, uh, the Edmonton Elks acquire Levi Noel, Canadian wide receiver, uh, and an eighth-round draft pick from the Ottawa Red Blacks in exchange for a seventh-round draft pick in 2023. Look, this isn't a big trade, obviously. I mean, uh, you're trading a Canadian receiver that hasn't played a whole lot for Ottawa recently. But let's face it, Edmonton's tweaking and trying to make that roster just a touch better. Uh, if it means having a little bit more Canadian depth, I kind of welcome the trade. Trey, anything on this trade that you're kind of looking at? Not really. It's a slow news week. The Pope's in town. There's nothing much else to talk about, right? So, uh, yeah, I think that this is just a, yeah, one of those trades that probably wouldn't be talked about most days. So, let's just go on to the next thing. Yeah, it's a trade that... Is the trade minor in detail at the time, uh, which could be quite significant down the line, uh, depending on um, what happens. Yeah, uh, let's, other, let's, let's watch yeah. Levi Noel get like about 200 yards next week or something. True. He's going to be Ryan's fantasy play of the week on Wednesday. Watch. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, the other news on a serious yet sober note is the passing of uh, former CFL commissioner and uh, football minor football champion in Canada, uh, Doug Mitchell. He has a facility in his name on the campus of the University of British Columbia, uh, otherwise known as UBC. Uh, I just wanted to share quickly, uh, he was the sixth commissioner of the Canadian Football League. He was the commissioner of the league from 1984 to 1988. Uh, there is a brief um, there is a brief statement here from Randy Ambrosio, which I'm going to read uh, a small snippet of. You can find this online for the rest of it. So I'm beyond saddened by the passing of Dad. His incredible passion for Canadian football inspired players, coaches, and executive to further his dream of building character and uniting the country through our great game. The statement continues. Uh, you can read it online uh, in its entirety uh, from Commissioner Randy Ambrose. So uh, all the best to Dad Mitchell and uh, his family on his passing. Uh, it's a death for sure that's going to be felt uh, much more uh, than just the CFL, but U Sports as a whole and Canadian football as a whole. I just thought we'd touch on that before we get to our uh, recaps tonight. Um, well, also, yeah, uh, I just got your note here, Adam. Uh, we, we do have some other breaking news of the, um, not a death related, but uh, cancer related uh, from a fairly significant football player, at least in college, 
I was looking forward to a great NFL career. Uh, it is at least on hold for the time being, uh, Adam. Yeah, John Mechie, uh, the third, first-round draft pick, I believe, of the Houston Texans. Uh, sorry, second round, 44th overall. Uh, he had a great career in the University of Alabama. He's going to be a great football player coming up. But he was diagnosed with APL uh, recently here and will miss his entire rookie season. It's it's terrible to see. Uh, I think all of us wish him all the best. And, uh, yeah, he'll be out there sooner than later with Houston. Just unfortunately, not this season. Yeah, you never want it to happen to anyone, never mind a receiver as talented as uh, Mechie. Uh, all the best to him and his recovery uh, from that. Uh, with all the off-field news that we just talked about, a trade, an unfortunate passing, and a cancer diagnosis, uh, it's appropriate that we turn our attention uh, to what has happened uh, on the field this week. And the first game I want to talk about is the game that started our doubleheader on Thursday night. Uh, this, to me, guys, was one of the more exciting games of the CFL season. I, I don't know if you would say the same, but when there is, you know, 73 points scored between two teams, uh, sort of unconventionally, unconventionally in, in certain ways. What do we make of this? I mean, I, I should preference this by saying I will take a little bit of credit for waking up the Alouette's offense because I was talking to the guys in the group chat, and this was about oh, early in the second quarter. I'm thinking, oh, boy, I already regret the Trevor Harris uh, decision for my fantasy pool. And then all of a sudden I put that hits in, boom, he throws a couple deep passes, uh, and the next thing we know, uh, it's the start of a big day for Trevor Harris. Uh, Trey, what do we make of this? It's like, you know, we've been critical on Trevor Harris on this show the last couple of weeks. And slowly but surely, he's kind of said, you know what? You've given me no reason to put me back on the bench. This may have been his best start of the season to date, Trey. Oh, yeah, I agree. And it was a game for both teams they needed to have. They needed to put some uh, explosion in their offense, and it was good to see Montreal do that. But the question I'm going to ask, and everyone wants to know, did they just was it just two bad Eastern teams beating up on each other, or do these like does now that Ottawa or Montreal sorry put up 40 points, does that really equate into them doing anything against the West? Time will tell. But it was a very good game, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the stat line, I mean, Trevor Harris, 80% of his completions, 25 of 31 for 341 yards, two touchdowns and not a single pick. The key word on there is no interceptions. Uh, the guy has had a really good a good start in this game and kept it going throughout. Uh, used his receivers real well. Herjie Mayala, I mean, had was five for five, uh, caught all targets towards him, 102 yards. 35 uh, yards after the catch, which is pretty great. And also that big, long 69-yarder, which is real nice. Uh, and one touchdown as well. Like I say, the uh, Montreal Alouettes had a good offensive game uh, on the ground and in the air. And uh, it showed to this week against the Ottawa Red Blacks team that's maybe a little suspect on uh, getting the long ball thrown at them. Now, I don't know if this is supposed to be funny or not, but I find it funny. Uh, we did a comment from Chris in, in the comments. She says, I'd like to start a new segment this week called Things I Learned. He goes, just kidding. 
Caleb Evans, 33 points. Wow. Um, what do we make of Caleb Evans as we switch over to the Red Black side of things? Uh, this is the guy that was clearly outmatched at times last year. Really was wondering maybe if he had a spot in the Canadian Football League, Adam. But Caleb Evans quietly has not won a lot of football games, but has certainly given his team ample chance to win at least the last two games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's given his team ample opportunity to win these games. Uh, essentially, it came down to defense again this week, and just they could not hold off Trevor Harris or make a good play on Antwi or on Lewis or any of their receivers to either get a strip or get a ball. So to me, I think this is more on the defense than it is on the offense. Caleb Evans, again, also had a great day. Uh, not maybe as great on the completion side of things, 62% completion rate, but a 25 for 40, 297 yards and a touchdown. He did do what he needed to do to get his team uh, a chance to win this game. And I mean, both the stat lines were very similar. Uh, Darvin Adams is one player also that finally had a great game, uh, nine for 13, 118 yards and an average of 13.1 yards. He's had a great game as well as one touchdown. Uh, Ottawa's offense, there's nothing that could be said that was pretty bad about it. William Powell even had 79 yards rushing, which is a big thing. Again, Trey's going to probably talk about that in a few moments. But uh, yeah, I, Caleb Evans did what he had to do to get this team a win and uh, yeah, he got 33 fantasy points. Of course, Trey picked him, and I backed off of him because you know I I overthink things and end up picking somebody else later on that we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, no, Ottawa did a had a reasonably good offensive game. I think their defense is maybe a little bit more to be desired. Uh, Trey, what did you see on Ottawa and Caleb Evans? 33.1 boys, 33.1 points. Forget the don't forget that. And yeah, they ran the ball better. And literally, they were what a Darvin Adams weird swat down catch away from potentially tying this game, right? So Ottawa's right there offensively. And I, I said earlier, I don't know how I this is a team that might, like I said, that scared me offensively to my Eastern crossover, which is not happening, I don't think, anytime soon. But I still think Ottawa's got a shot at turning the tables here and Caleb Evans, they just need to tighten up their defense, and I think their offense is right on par. Um, back to you, Mike. Just to pick up on that, Trey, is that kind of the sleeping giant? I mean, I know Ottawa hasn't won a, won a lot of football games, if any, but is there – I don't want to say positives for being close because close doesn't cut it uh, in a lot of teams. Just ask the Bombers. They had a year years ago where they lost – where they won like five games but lost a whole bunch of games by one possession, uh, it didn't get them a playoff spot in the end. What do we make of this? Because I, I know there's that portion of the fan base that says, you know, we're so close, we just need one play here, one play there to swing in our favor. The other side of it is the rusher doesn't lie. And when is it going to come a point where, you know, you are what your record says you are, which is last in the East at this point and fighting to potentially keep that crossover from happening, uh, Trey. Yeah, I'd like to think they're the sleeping giants in the East, but their next game's a Sunday afternoon against Toronto, who just comes off of two big wins against the Rough Riders, right? So, you know, can you guys hear me? 
okay, sorry. I thought you guys were. I thought someone was going like that. <laughs> like, oh no, there's the buttons not clicked. But yeah, I think you know back to back losses against the Rough Riders. Uh, so tr- or t- Toronto had back to back wins against the Rough Riders, playing the Rough uh, Red Blacks next week. I think that's going to be a big test. Yeah, I, I've been finally. I, I mean, I know we're seven weeks into the season here, but we're getting to the point, guys, where I think we need to start drawing conclusions uh, about certain teams and. You know, making conclusions about certain others. Uh, we'll leave that up for debate uh, for another time. Uh, one of the teams that picked up a win last week but couldn't follow it up, although I will give them an, I guess, a gold star for coming on short rest, giving the BC Lions all they could handle. But again, Hamilton stuck at one win. BC continuing to build that resume, uh, Adam, with win after win after win, and kind of showing that that loss to Winnipeg was maybe not going to deter this team uh, from where it wants to go. And I guess resume building in BC to show that, you know, this isn't the BC Lions of years past. Uh, This is a team with a new attitude and a resume win coming off a bye in your own park against, you know, the two-time defending East Division champions is a nice feather in the cap considering their last game before the bye against the Bombers didn't really go according to plan. You know, though, yeah, BC, again, they're keeping on winning, and good teams win football games. Let's face it, there's no denying that. Uh, What I look at, though, is is the steam starting to come out of Nathan Rourke just a little bit here. If you take a look at the stats here this game, 22 for 30, 73% completion rate, about 250 yards, and a lot of those were on a bit two big plays to Lucky Whitehead, essentially at the beginning of the game. Uh, two touchdowns, but the big thing that I'm starting to watch is two interceptions. Have teams started to maybe start to think about they figured out a little bit of Nathan Rourke here? Or is it finally that this offensive line is starting to to maybe meet some of the matches? Like, again, Hamilton does have a pretty good defensive line uh, to put pressure on that offense. I'm wondering if maybe this is starting to be where people are starting to key in a little bit on Nathan Rourke. Uh, Trey? I'm starting to get this little gut feeling about BC that there could be turning into the next Winnipeg. And I'm only going to say like, they're going to find ways to win. And we're going to talk about Caleros later. He threw two or three picks. Did he not? And still come up with the win five turnovers on the Sunday game and Toronto still won. So I don't know. You're going to have the interceptions and fumbles in the CFL, but the BC Lions are finding a way to win. They only needed to score 13. They did a little bit better and scored 17. Right. So I don't know. I, again, I, I want to, it's football. It's there's not many games, so we like to analyze each week by week. But you know, I think BC is still the top two or three teams in the West. So I'm not throwing any. Uh, no, I'm not too worried yet. Quickly, guys, I just wanted to touch on, and it was kind of. I, I know Adam, you have a point, but you want to get to. Uh, we'll we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but what did you think of? You know, Nathan Wark almost throwing the ball game away there in the last three minutes. I don't know uh, about you, but I had nightmares of a certain rider quarterback during that last week, and it kind of bit his team. This one, he 
kind of forced it in there for the first time I fought all season, uh, Adam. Um, and it almost cost him. Thank goodness the defense bailed him out at the end. Um, what do we make of that? And is that as much as we're critical on the interceptions, like we've already discussed, is this not a learning opportunity about, you know, a defense that bailed its young quarterback out of what could have been a potentially uh, game-changing situation? You know, I think you're right. It's a young quarterback learning the league and seeing what he can and can't get away with. And I mean, in this case, he did get away with it. I mean, let's face it, that could have been extremely ugly if that would have went the other way. Uh, luckily, Nathan Rourke uh, didn't have that uh, happen to him in this one. But uh, yeah, it, you know what? These things are going to happen as a young quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Uh, you're going to get bitten off once in a while. You're going to end up uh, throwing that weird pick. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Mike. What you do is you learn off of it. You don't go and uh, keep saying, well that was a bad pick and push it down the guy's throat. You go and you say, well, it's a learning opportunity. I mean, let's face it. I think that uh, Nathan Rourke is still well above that learning curve. Uh, sometimes you're just going to have those kind of throws. Trey? No. Yeah, I agree. We've been seeing nothing but double and triple tipped balls by defenders. You're going to have crazy things like that. You're going to have overthrows. He's still a relatively young guy and yeah, that line might not be the best in the league. So I, I think BC's right there. Like I said, I think we're going to have to have a little bit. I want to see them again play Saskatchewan, Calgary, Winnipeg again before I really start getting too critical on these guys. Because, yeah, I think BC's right there, especially in the West. Mike? Yeah, it's interesting because now we 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 try to determine what the Hamilton Tiger Cats are. And, I mean, they follow up a win with some would say they're lucky to have. Uh, last week with this performance, granted it's on a short week, granted they come across the country. But but again, you know what? It's honestly, guys, it's a quarterback, but I would expect anyway uh, to know better uh, than to do a couple of the things that he did in that game. Not to say that it was Dane Evans' fault, but, you know, I'm beginning to wonder... Yes, they're in the East Division, but yes, it seems like that path in the playoffs is getting narrower and narrower. Um, you know, I just keep saying, oh, you know, there's going to be that one game where they break out and it's going to be the start of a, you know, five or six game win streak. I thought that was them last week. And then they come, granted all the circumstances that I've already mentioned. And then they have a very disappointing offensive performance. To me, I had no, I had no problem with their defense, but again, it's one good, one bad, one good, one bad from their quarterback, and you know, again, a running game that I thought was better, but they didn't do quite enough there, Trey. Hamilton or BC? Sorry, I missed either. Hamilton, yeah, yeah. No, I think Hamilton. Hamilton is, it's, I, I think. Yeah, they got a big game upcoming this week, which we'll talk about Wednesday. Battle for second. That it's tough. Yeah, they had an opportunity here to rattle off a couple wins, uh, but yeah, BC is tough. I don't know. Again, it's hard to compare because we want to. We can't give BC the crown for beating Hamilton. So should we be giving Hamilton, you know, first overall pick next year just because they lost to BC? Probably not. But I think there's a lot of season left, and 
Again, Hamilton could still be there. We've seen Montreal and Ottawa, how they played. There's no end. Toronto, I think they got as close to lucky wins against the Riders back-to-back as you can get. So they're not really proven. So that East is still up for grabs. I, I can't really... It's so hard to crown the winner of the East after five or six weeks now. It's like they, they none of them have given me anything, right, Adam? Yeah, no, I agree. And, I mean, if you take a look at the CFL stats right now, Hamilton is 1-0 against the East Division opponents. Uh, that's what's going to eventually win the East or lose the East. Uh, this game against BC, obviously, I mean, they would love that as a big morale victory, uh, a five-point loss against a team that's a pretty good BC Lions team. Uh, is not terrible, but that being said, their offense really, really needs to do something with their run game. Uh, yeah, Don Jackson had about 70-some yards here. Uh, I'm just trying to find it again here, but uh, Don Jackson had a little bit of a running game, but again, it's Dane Evans running for his life, essentially, uh, to get those extra try- plays off, and it's not working, essentially. Uh, 297 yards this week for passing for Dane Evans. Uh, doesn't have a legitimate, this is again, I'm not a shot to the receiving core, but there's not that legitimate deep threat uh, on this Hamilton Tiger Cats team right now for Dane Evans as well. So you look at all the pieces that Hamilton has around Dane Evans, uh, there's some that's something that's needed there, obviously. And Dane Evans, obviously, also needs to pick up the play. Uh, he's been all right, but again, it, when you're getting into these later games and once you start moving on to more East division opponents, you want to try to win these games and not only just win them, but you want to win them pretty handily in case it becomes a tiebreaker situation where it's points against or points for so that you could turn that around. The other thing also is Hamilton actually uh, came out a little bit better on the turnover ratio this time, which is the first time in all season that they've done that. Uh, So things are starting to maybe something's happening to Hamilton. I'll say that. Uh, but the results are still not on the board for a W. I know we talked about this a little bit, guys, and I mean, Adam, you were kind of alluded to it a little bit. Are we really seeing the true value of guys like Brandon Banks and uh, Jaywin Atwin? You know, I know they're on two different teams right now, but are we starting to appreciate their value a little bit more for when they were in Hamilton? Yeah, I think so. I mean, let's face it, Tom. Uh, the uh, Jalen Acklin uh, coming over into Ottawa has not really done a whole lot so far this season. Uh, Brandon Banks, um, other than a good uh, return uh, last week against Saskatchewan, really hasn't done a whole lot also over in Toronto. Uh, has some steady, stable, stable games, but hasn't been that dynamic uh, receiver that uh, that, he's, that we're used to seeing out of Brandon Banks. So, yeah, I, there's something with that. Uh, that being said... Maybe it was because we had all the pieces in one place. Uh, maybe there was more more receivers to spread the ball around with. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens when Hamilton gets a little more healthy and a team and a guy like Lamar Durant gets back as well, Mike. For sure, Adam. I just noticed you wanted to add something, uh, so we'll backtrack here quickly. Uh, allow you to pick up your thought on uh, something I wanted to bring up as well, but forgot. Yeah, so in the end of that game against uh, Montreal and Ottawa, uh, Mike Moore uh, ended up going and making a, uh, I'll say it like this, high tackle over on the uh, first. It was, I think, the uh, running back. I think it was Jess Von Antwi, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, makes a high tackle on him. Called as a high tackle, 15-yard penalty. Ottawa gets the ball way up further, first down. 
all of a sudden you're sitting around and you're sitting around and you're wondering, well, okay, what's going on here? And all of a sudden Andre Pruel uh, picks up the mic and says that there was a, uh, the command center reviewed the play and said, uh, no, that wasn't a high tackle. So uh, we're going back there. Okay. Odd. Then all of a sudden you go down about three, four more plays later. And uh, there is a huge uh, sack on the play uh, on uh, Caleb Evans. Again, Mike Moore, high hit, uh, hitting the quarterback high. Instant throw in the flag, uh, roughing the passer, 15-yard penalty, half the distance to the goal. Would have given Ottawa a first down instead of a second down to work with. Uh, in this case, I think it was actually going to be third down. So, okay, fair enough. And all of a sudden, again, long delay. Uh, not sure what's going on. And all of a sudden, Andre Pruel pulls out the mic, goes in, in the usual Andre Pruel way, uh, says that there is no infraction on the pa- on the play. Uh, this will be turned down. And you're like, oh, all right. Okay. So, w- what? I didn't know the, that the uh, – I know that we are all about getting the rules right. Don't get me wrong. I And I appreciate that, that you get the rule – or get the call right. But is this getting to be a little excessive, sitting around for almost a minute and a half, letting their command center review this ball – making sure that everything's good, and then being, oh, by the way, we're overturning this. And, I mean, Ottawa fans are losing their mind by this point. Uh, Trey, I I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys that just wants to watch the game. If that's what you've seen on the field, referee, call what you see. Good enough. Thank you very much. Wait till this ends up against Saskatchewan, and I start screaming one day because there's a call missed. But, Trey, what's your thoughts on this uh, command center stuff? Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm a normal like that too. Because when we see it the other way, when they don't throw a flag and then the command center steps in, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of that either. So, but I think you have to have it both ways. If you're going to come in and say, oh, that is a hit late, you do need to come in and say, no, 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 that wasn't that. But I don't, I know it's, it's tough for me to overturn it because there was a couple, but then there was a few big hits this year. I think Big Hill got away with one last week. There's a couple guys that seem to get away from him, and then they decide to start uh, Andre Prue starts trying to call him and protect some of these guys, and the command center overturns him. It's it's crazy. Prue's the Prue's my favorite referee. I don't care what you say about it. Hands down, favorite referee. So I I think he probably got them right the first time. I'm gonna say in, in the 2022 CFL they were probably high hits, and I don't know what the command center was doing, but. Again, if you're going to call it one way when there wasn't something, you know, you got to call it both ways, Mike. Yeah, guys, that's where my problem steps, right? Because there comes a point where if you want to call a penalty, fine. It's a penalty, it's a penalty, it's a penalty. You're going to call it whatever happened. You don't want to start to be setting death in yourself. Should I call the penalty because the command center might overrule me? Like, to me, I think we have to define where the command center can step in. And I believe, yes, it should be both ways. But I believe the command center should only call and correct the play if it's egregious. Like, to me, to make it call from the boardroom is not disrespectful, because that's not the right word. It's, it's a disservice to the officials on the field. And I think it removes... Like, to me, if I am a six-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid old enough to understand CFL and I watch that sequence in play 
I'm going to see that the CFL officials can get overruled by the command center, which basically set in where the, the referee's ability to do his job on particular plays is put in doubt. Listen, I'm one of those that says the command center needs to overturn egregious stuff. Obvious. Okay, the official messed up is going to happen. But to overrule an official's judgment, to me, that's going too far. Uh, to say that, you know, I'm going to sit in a room in Toronto and overrule my officials who's on the field. And my hockey and chase will attest to this. You have no idea what is going on in a boardroom. You don't know what's going on in the boardroom on the field and vice versa. I would sure hope that there's a, there's a level of trust at the official that's trying to officiate the game on the field. Because I'll tell you something. The guys are on the field for a reason. I understand the command center wants to overrule, but I think we have to revisit this egregious uh, stuff. And the last thing I want to be doing is overruling the guy who is in charge of the game and sees what he sees. Because there's certain things that you see on the field that you just don't see in a boardroom. And I, I'm with, I'm with uh, whichever one of you said this, I think as much flat as Andre Prude gets, I think he's by far one of the most consistent officials in the CFL. He refs so many great cup games for a reason. He deserves to be given the benefit of a doubt. And I, I think there needs to be a discussion um, about the command center only overruling the egregious stuff and let the officials on the field actually do their job because if they see something and they want to throw a flag, I should be able to uh, accept that as the command center. Unless it's so obvious that everybody in the stadium knows that's where you can interject or if you want to be the eye in the sky, you know, for a ball spotting or a player injury. Other than that, to me, especially, I, I don't want to say I find it disrespectful, but he's one of the best referees in the CFL. To overrule his judgment to me, yeah, it, it doesn't sit well with me. So, I, again, we have it. Like, you and I, Trey, are football referees. You see something on the field. I see something in the boardroom. You might see it differently than I do, but that still doesn't mean that I, I'm going to overrule you unless I say, hey, Trey, you really, really want to have another look at that one. Uh, I think they need to get away from that, the judgment right? They need to get away from the judgment calls. They don't command center holding, do they? Because right. holding is a judgment right. call. They they should get rid of the pass interference because that's a judgment call. Maybe egregious ones, but that ticky ticky hand stuff. I don't want to be waiting ten minutes for that. And again, right. with the he- hits to the head. Again, I think it's a clear hit. Like there's a clear. Like if a guy, I don't know. I think they got to get rid of a lot of the judgment calls. To me, a hit to the head isn't a judgment call. You see it, it's up, right? But right. holding pass interference sometimes a little bit more. Uh, you know, ticky ticky, and I want to get rid of that. I just, I this is the whole episode for me. We were trying to stay away from Trey Rance today to do a quick show, I think. But the, <laughs> yeah, the, the the officiating, officiating on the field has been fine to me. Yeah, you know, I think it's again, and like you to your point, the command center is overriding 
probably the better ref and one of the top head refs in the league. And that's not a good look. I like the word disrespectful. It's probably around the right line, right? If I'm Andre Pru, I'm on the phone with my, whatever, the referee. Um, there's a referee uh, PA or whatever. Yeah, I'd be on there being like, what the heck are they doing to me? You know, so. Anyway, yeah, that's what I would do. But yeah, yeah. It, it's it, it just ruins the flow. I, and, the, and I the, think Chris Homina put a ahead. good point up there. He said, "It's like the command center using the force on the referees. No, you will change your mind on the field." Uh, uh, like you're right, uh, Mike. It, you've got those guys on the field. If you don't need them on the field, well, take them off there. They might get hurt or something. You never know. Uh, no, they're, they're there for a reason. I mean, Andre Pruel, his crew is one of the best, and Andre himself is one of the best crews out there. You know you're going to get a pretty good game called uh, no matter what time when you get Andre Pruel's crew. I, I What drives me nuts is you're right. These egregious calls, fair. If you want to, if it's for player safety, you want to take a guy off the field because of safety, fair. I can understand that. But if it's just for calling a, uh, what do you call just calling a uh, referee and saying, no, you're not right on a, a possible safety issue. Really? That doesn't sound right. Uh, so to me, I think that the CFL uh, probably needs to look at this and say, okay, here's the things that we will watch and monitor, but it better be egregious or we're not going to call it because we have faith in our referees. Uh, and the other side of it too is I think, and I've long advocated for this, and this is going to be way longer than I want to dwell on it, but I think it's the point that I think needs to be made. We need to have an explanation, like, kind of like they had in the USFL, where we're in the command center and we're actually seeing what they're going through to change these calls. I think that would change a lot of perspectives because right now, you and I, like all three of us, are having this discussion based on information that we don't have. It might have been the right call, but then why was it the right call to overrule that? We're just going and saying the command center is you know, overruling the officials and maybe a sign of disrespect or however you want to put it. But I think having a mic'd up, I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't, want, I don't want to stray too far, but there's something about having the officials, and they do it in the NFL, a big game, a game of the week, has Mike Pereira in the broadcast booth talking through the calls. Uh, ESPN started to do this for hockey. The CFL should do that. They should have an official in the command center explaining things. Because I think it would go a long way to your credibility uh, for sure there as well. Um, let's quickly talk about... The third game this week before we get uh, too far away from uh, the topics at hand. Uh, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a patassa. But at the end of the day, um, it was a wonderful mess of doodle art. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers find a way to upend the Edmonton Elks in a game where the Bombers weren't at their best. Improve to 7-0. and while the outs fall to two and five, let's get an opening thought from Adam on this game. Well, first things first, the uh, stat that stands out to me is seven throws that were complete for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, Zach Alaros, you're known as a game manager. That means you throw low, low short, and hanging 
uh, uh, high completion percentage passes. Sorry, Adam. I thought that title belonged to Matt Nichols. Well, you know, I mean, this could have been the Matt Nichols Bowl for what this was because, I mean, man, this was this was definitely something. I mean, uh, Zach Calaro, 7 for 16, 43% completion ratio, 188 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, yeah, we, we take the film and burn this one for Zach Calaro's because it wasn't pretty. Uh, but that being said, Dalton shown again, just balls out whenever he gets his opportunities. Four for nine, 146 yards, 55 yard uh, uh, yards after catch, which is awesome. An average of 36.5 yards, takes 181 yard uh, play for the, to the house. I mean, let's face it, Dalton shown had a game uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That being said, though, uh, I really, really want to get you guys' thoughts once more on this Winnipeg run game. Uh, this is a team that, again, the Edmonton Elks are the worst in run defense, and there was not much going there for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, usually when you don't see a lot of passing yards, you see some rushing yards. Again, nothing out of the Bombers in this one. Trey, let's hear the theory. Yeah, I was going to say that that's my the, the second craziest thing to uh, Caleros' seven completions is the rushing yards. There wasn't any. So where are these 24 points coming from, man? Like, I don't know. But I don't know how the Bombers seem to pull this one out. They have a horseshoe shoved up somewhere. And, you know, it. I don't even know what to talk about this game. Other than Dalton showing, like, no one really had any breakouts. Kenny Lawler almost hit 100 on the other side. But that would have been, you know, Edmonton's story. What was the story here? There was no real like huge returns. There wasn't anything crazy. What a game. It was it, 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 the CFL. You can have a terrible game and somehow it will still be good, right? It'll still be kind of tight or whatever. Um, I was actually kind of on the other side. I was really impressed with Cornelius. I thought he was going to actually maybe pull one away early on here. Um, I was I was feeling the Elks might actually have a chance. He, he's a big guy, but somehow he's elusive and, I don't know how you can't stop a seven-foot tree running right at you, but, you know, you would think that Biggie or some of those guys would chop it down, but no, he just kept finding first downs here and there and big moments, and he actually made some big plays, I thought. And, yeah, you know, I don't know. Again, it's Winnipeg just trying to find a way to pull one out. Mike? Can we talk about Jerron Carter? Just like... Yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. I don't know, Trey. Do you want to pick up my box? Because I'm wanting to forbid you about the same thing. Oh, I don't um, know. I just all I know was he him he only picked up three and a half points on fantasy, but that was the best three and a half points I could have asked for. I don't I don't know where he got him, possibly on the uh, kick return, but that that sliding catch that was I as soon as he comes up, I'm like that yeah. better be fantasy points, but it wasn't. But <laughs> yeah, probably probably the best. Uh, Three points gained in CFL uh, fantasy. It, it's interesting, right? Because we look at, you know, Adam, you're kind of laughing. I think that I'm saying this. Um, both of you are. There is a polarizing isn't the right word. I don't know, or it might be too strong a word when it, when we talked about, you know, Duran Carter. But credit the man. He does something every single time he takes the field. And, you know, this this might not be related in any way. Sometimes I wonder if Chris Jones realizes 
but he has an offense. Because, <laughs> listen, this is like, he's so defensively centered that he thinks his defense is going to score 21 points a game and they're going to win 21-17 as the result. Um, no, but, it, it, like, guys, I, I think it's seriously time that we start looking at Taylor Cornelius uh, as a long-term solution for Edmonton. I mean, that was a pretty darn good game, you know, under the circumstances of which um, I want to see more of this guy down the stretch. Uh, probably one would suggest that Trey Ford might be the future of the outs. Um, who knows? But Taylor Cornelius certainly hasn't heard his opportunity um, to, to, to get a roster spot. And, you know, it's close again, but yet another home loss. And, you know, to me, it was that play Dalton shown at the end of the half. They're right when it looks like, you know, it's going to be 10 sips or whatever it is at halftime. And, you know, Tawaros finds Dalton shown for the 80 something yard catch. Um, and uh, Sean turns on the afterburners and lead goes into the end zone. But you have to wonder, you know, that one play, if that touchdown doesn't happen at the end of the half, we might very well be looking at a different football game because another quick interesting tidbit is the time of possession. I mean, take the fourth quarter out of this, the time of possession is probably 3-1 to one in favor of Edmonton. And yet Winnipeg had these quick strike plays which made all the difference in the world. And this bend but don't break defense showed up again uh, with some sacks, Trey. Oh, yeah, big sacks. But, you know, the thing was, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth quarter, but somewhere the Bombers ended up having a nine-minute drive. So, yeah, they squick, quick, or scored quickly in the first half, and then they NFL'd it and wasted down the clock, right? And thanks, Chris. I'm always a lot. Yes, I was a lot last show, and I will always be a lot every show. Uh, always here every Monday and Wednesday on the program. But, yeah, I, I was pretty impressed. Like, again, it's a weird game to look at. Seven completions and no running, and it's not like, you know, it's not like they had a bunch of pick sixes or anything or kick returns. It was a really weird game, but they find a way to win. And I agree with what you said. I think Cornelius is probably the solution until at least Trey Ford comes back, and then that discussion can can start. But, ah, man, Edmonton needs a win at home. I'm starting to feel bad for them, um, Adam. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of getting rough there. But I uh, just want one more quick point on Deron Carter. Uh, I'm going to call him Ricky Bobby from now on because he does exactly what he does with a NASCAR rig truck car. Either he goes and gets a victory with an interception or a pick six, or he crashes the car trying. Uh, with Dalton Schoen absolutely burning him for 81 yards on that uh, touchdown just before the half. Look, Winnipeg is a very, very good ho uh, hockey, not so much maybe right now, but a football team. Uh, this is a, yeah, we'll talk about that on another day. Uh, but you know what? They are a good football team, and that that is because... Are you foreshadowing something, Adam? Because I would get pretty excited for the fall if you were. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that one maybe closer to October. Uh, anyways, <laughs> no, you know what, guys? The Blue Bombers are a very good football team, no doubt about it, because they find ways to win when they should have no business winning football games. This is a perfect example of that. I mean, 
if you told me that Zach Calero throws seven balls that uh, are caught and you have no real rushing game, I mean, you did it by committee, but there was still not a big, big rush, and yet you still get 24 points on the board, you know you got a great defense, and let's face it, defenses win championships. That's why you see Chris Jones trying to change his defense every game because he still knows that this is not a winning defense that he has there. Uh, that being said, I think that the Blue Bombers are a very, very good football team, and they're going to stay that way until somebody can beat them and beat them handedly. They're going to stay right where they are, and they're going to stay uh, at the top of this league. Edmonton? Yeah, sure would love to see them get a home win soon. I mean, those fans have been long-suffering long enough. Mike? Honestly, reminds me when the Blue Bombers opened IG Field and couldn't buy a win in there for the longest time. Uh, they were the, you know, the first three, four years there were not good. And well, look what that turned into the last number of years. Um, very quickly, um, guys, if, if we could, could we talk about something that I don't think gets a lot of credit? Um, I, I, it's not, you know, I, I hate to use this as a Winnipeg thing because, uh, Winnipeg is the talk of, you know, CFL rightly being 7-0. and But there's a lot of injuries league-wide this year. Um, you know, I think I said the the word of the day, I think I said this in the group chat was depth. Um, you know, Blue Bombers find a way, like, they mix and match and piece together. And Colton, I did, I did Jersey lose, uh, leaves the game with the, what would only be described, I think, as a serious injury. Um, you know, and that, that's man-up mentality. Can we speak as a whole to, in the CFL, not just the bomber thing, but how important depth is in football, Adam? Because, you know, it, it's one thing to have, you know, star players. It's another to have star players go down. It's another to find the right pieces to fit in with those star players. You could equate this to Winnipeg if you want, but I, I, I think there's other examples out there uh, for sure. But can we maybe speak to just how important depth is uh, on a football team? like, And not just any kind of depth, but the right kind. The guy that comes in makes an immediate impact, knowing what your roster needs, uh, you know, to be successful, pushing the right buttons. You know, motivated. I I just keep thinking about, you know, a coach that says, you know, keep grinding in practice. You know, that's your opportunity. You know, and then to have, you know, that one opportunity to kind of turn on the lights. I, I think, I mean, really, it, it, it ties into our next game so beautifully as well. So we'll, we'll head there too. But uh, if you could, Adam, just speak to some of the depth uh, across football. And how important that is. Yeah, I mean, it's everything, right? I mean, if you've got those injuries, again, I mean, let's face it, my team is uh, Saskatchewan. And, of course, you've seen a lot of depth there last week. Uh, You had 22 guys at one point, either on the injured, on the COVID, or on a combination of both uh, uh, lists. And, I mean, it's huge. I mean, if you've got a proper, a good guy that you can just fill in as next man up, and this is what Coach Jones, I'll give him credit, is trying to do in Edmonton. Uh, he, he's got his core players that he wants to have, but he has no depth behind him. I mean, 
let's face it, one of those guys in the defense there uh, goes down. Uh, for example, Deron Carter was out here for a while at the beginning. They were suffering in defensive end because they didn't have that person behind them. You look at the Winnipeg Blue Bomber team. I mean, I don't know who does their recruiting for uh, wide receivers, but I mean, it seems like he must have a Rolodex with him already because, yeah, they just keep rolling through guys. Dalton Schoen, he was nowhere this year. He's probably right now, unless somebody else comes up, almost already a shoe in at week seven for rookie of the year. I don't see anybody else catching him right now. Uh, and same thing also uh, with Charleston Akowi uh, or whatever. Sorry, I can't say that name. He looked good there. Uh, the uh, receiver for Winnipeg, uh, six foot nine or seven foot cheat code that they had there for a little while. He looks great as well. Uh, Ada Juicy? That's the name. Uh, anyways, but uh, Saskatchewan is the same way. I mean, you look at that team and they've got a pile of depth. When you've got a guy like Charleston Hughes coming in and is your depth player and not expected to do much, but comes in and has a great game like he did against the Toronto Argonauts. And let's face it, he did have a great game. Uh, it, it speaks to the uh, volume of players and the quality of players that you've got behind you. Uh, you look at other guys on this Saskatchewan team, Tevin Jones. I mentioned him about two weeks ago uh, saying, look at this guy and make sure that you're watching him. Has a breakout game here, gets his opportunities. Uh, Sam Elliott, uh, Emelis, a rookie receiver, Canadian, looks great. I, you've got lots of those guys on this Saskatchewan Rough Rider football team that are just beautiful in depth. And I think that, uh, yeah, you're going to see more and more of it. Those are the teams that will win you games, even when troubles uh, occur. Trey, what do you think on depth? You know, I don't want to start having too long of a list of key Trey's keys to the game, but depth should definitely be in my top 10. You know, family feud, number six on the board, uh, Richard Dawson. You know, but, um, but yeah, we see the depth. Winnipeg seems to have it this year. Some other teams, not so much. I had a point. Oh, it was Mike. Mike said beginning of the year before our first opening season or game of the year. I'm pretty sure you said this every year, the CFL, someone rises to the top that you least expect it. And it might be that guy that uh, the drunk me at IG field on the preseason bomber game says, who the hell is Dalton shown while he's catching a bunch of catches. That might be the guy so far this year. I was just thinking to myself the other day, wasn't there another receiver that had a great year? Uh, his first year or two in Winnipeg and then took a big payday at Edmonton. Well, Dalton Jones, I mean, okay, knock on wood week seven, but he's playing better than Kenny Lawler is right now. So he might be on his way out in the next year or two to somebody else. Right. So yeah, the depth is great right now, but it's hard to keep it all. Uh, yeah. That's football. Next man up. If uh, uh, I thought, you know, good thing the Rough Riders did have a third string quarterback. Otherwise Adam or Gaynor would have to have gone out there, but you know, yeah, get the arm warmed up. But you know, it's it's football. You gotta always have man uh, next man up, right? Really quickly, Adam. Um, you know, you're in that that in the woods, uh, for sure, and talking to a lot of rider fans on a daily basis. There has to be, despite the loss, 31-21 as we move on to our fourth game. You know, for 52 minutes, they were more than in this football game. It was the last five minutes where they you know, had 70, 17 points rolled on them, including, you know, a, a reverse kit drop, which I'm still trying to figure out uh, 
we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, that might be one of the more. And I, I, I full disclosure, I listen to the Sports Cage Radio Roundtable just to kind of get, you know, the, the temperature of Saskatchewan. There have been losses where the team has been, or the fan base has railed on the team, and rightly so over the years. But yesterday seemed to be that, I, I, I hate to suggest this, but that sobering reality of, hey, I'm proud of you guys. You guys actually gave it more, more of a fight than, you know, we 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 gave you credit for. Um, is there more positives in a game like this, Adam, and negatives so that if player X happens to get hurt, while the diver played yesterday, as we figured out for the most part, can fit in there quite nicely? And are people maybe not giving the riders enough credit for what they did yesterday despite everything that happened? You know, I think they're giving them a little bit of credit, even if they lost this game. I mean, let's face it, Jake Dolagala had two practices with the ones. Uh, again, you got uh, four and a half, five hours to practice on the, with the ones, plus a walkthrough. And by the way, kid, you're going in and you're going to take it and run this game for 60 minutes. Uh, let's face it, that's a tall ass for any quarterback, let alone one that's been on the PR for the whole season. Uh the defense played lights out. I mean, keeping the Toronto Argonauts within this game and making a few interceptions that uh, gave the Riders a short field, uh, just making good plays. Charleston Hughes, I uh, talked about him earlier, that fumble recovery, again, I got to put it like this, unfortunately, uh, because he kicked the ball forward on his own. And uh, yeah, no, he, uh, he he had a great game. And again, not a guy you'd expect to have a great game, but you know he's there now. Tevin Jones, same way. If we need him, he's there. Uh, you did not see Mitchell Pickton yesterday. You didn't get to see uh, Duke Williams serving a suspension. You didn't get to see uh, uh, Shaq Evans or Kyron Moore. Kyron Moore might be back even this week, uh, depending on how things go. So that'll be interesting to see in Ryderville. But the thing that we've seen this, last, this game was the resilience of this team to make sure that, hey, we're going to play you hard no matter if it's our ones in there, our twos in there, or whether even sometimes in this case our threes are even in there. Uh, we're going to play hard. We're going to go hard for the win every time. And I, like I said, I think Ryder Nation mostly was pretty excited about what they've seen, especially because, again, you didn't see the starters essentially in this game. Uh, Trey, what do you think of the uh, Riders' effort uh, coming into out of this one? Oh, you're saying Ryder Nation was okay after a loss? That that couldn't be, man. I, I'm no. just as surprised as you are, in all honesty. <laughs> uh, you know, in the circumstances, yeah, they played all right. You know, other than a kick returner trying a little too much and getting trying too fancy, I was expecting that game to go to overtime. If not, Saskatch would find a way to win it, right? When that when that ball was kicked off and. Yeah, when that ball popped out, like I, I really put that on. I really don't like putting a game on one play in football because there's a lot of things that could lead up to that. But that is a tough one to swallow, and in mosaic too. Like I, uh, but you know, those happen. We've seen Beatty miss one. We've seen other guys miss some and miss kicks. So 
Yeah, I put a lot of positive onto Saskatchewan. I still think they're somehow going to probably go two and one or three and zero against the Bombers, like they always do. They're going to find some ways to screw things up, and I still think they have a good shot at playing a great cup at home this year, you know? So it's got to get healthy and um, yeah, keep wearing their masks, I guess. They can't keep getting positive tests. That also, they got to stop knocking the running back's helmet off. You know, that's usually... Well, we can talk about that. that, That's... uh, I could could go rant about that too. I'm going to steal a line from you there, Trey. Uh, I thought it was pretty well-timed in the group chat uh, when you talked about the Toronto Argonauts. We found out exactly why Andrew Harris gets paid what he gets paid yesterday, Trey. Oh, oh, 100%, you know. And I think I said last week, that's the guy you want in late October, November, playing football. And I had this whole prepared today. Andrew Harris, he was practicing for November in Mosaic against either the Rough Riders, the Blue Bombers, the Stampeders, whoever he's going to be playing. And he's going to run 150 yards over him and his helmet's going to pop off 30 times and he's going to put it back on and keep going. You know, it, it's just what it is. That's what I, I, I literally said that on uh Wednesday show. Those are the, that's the game where you have Harrison and, you know, I really don't think they should have won that game, but Harris definitely did it all he could do. And you can't really ask much more from, from him than that. Right. Uh, right. Adam. No, absolutely. I mean, Andrew Harris is just still a beast. I think uh, probably Winnipeg's looking over there and saying that we gave up what? A little bit, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe they aren't. Maybe they're not worried about it. But you can't tell me that they aren't looking at it and saying, that maybe isn't so great. And I'm sure also Saskatchewan is counting down the days until Andrew Harris retires and doesn't come back to Mosaic Stadium to be the boogeyman. Because honestly, every time he comes into Mosaic Stadium, he always has a game and runs over to Rough Riders. It don't matter what defense is in there. That guy is a truckload. Uh, got ten over 10,000 yards. I uh, had an amazing game again. Uh, like I say, I probably, as a Rider fan, I can't wait to see him retire because, man, <laughs> he, he keeps burning my team. But, man, is it fun to watch the old Victoria Island Raider go running downhill. Really quickly, guys, what did we think of McCraw Bethel Thompson? We'll start with Adam this time. I thought again, you know what? Didn't like his game very much at Touchdown Atlantic for various reasons. I uh, thought they were fortunate to win that game with the interception that Cody threw uh, in the last three minutes. But again, much better from McCraw Bethel Thompson. The question is can he string these types of performances together? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, he's got to get a better start to games as well. Uh, Most times he never starts off very hot and is very slow starting. Uh, This week here actually had a pretty good turnout, 30 for 38, uh, 336 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Overall, McLeod Bethel-Thompson had a very good game this week. Uh, Had a lot of help, I think, from uh, Gittins Jr. as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Had a pretty good team there. Uh, overall, the receiving core again. Brandon Banks maybe a little bit, a uh, little bit slower than what we're used to seeing, but maybe he doesn't have to be the hero when you got a guy like Gittins Jr. Uh, over on the other side. He uh, also, I believe, uh, uh, if you give me one second here, uh, one receiver as well over for Toronto that I wanted to bring up, Markeith Ambles. He just seemed to be everywhere, all over the field. Uh, it, it had a good game overall, and uh, let's face it, when it got down to the fourth quarter, had a knew he had a tired 
Uh, Saskatchewan offense, our defense on the field. So let's face it, that's Andrew Harris time then right after that. So good game overall by McLeod Bethel Thompson. I would like to see him, you're right, Mike, uh, have a full four quarters like that. And the guy's going to be unstoppable, but uh, also needs to get this done against other teams that aren't in green and white. Trey? Real quick, the beauty of the CFL, we're just talking about a game on Saturday or Friday night, sorry, that the quarterback had seven completions and there was no run game and they win. This team almost lost, and you have a quarterback throwing for 335 and a running back going for almost 150. So crazy CFL. But, you know, I'm not as down on uh, MBT as everyone else is. I thought he would – I don't think he's a premier. I would put him that second-tier quarterback under, you know, Bo and Caleros. We could have a whole episode on that too. But, you know, those top-tier quarterbacks, and then I put him in the second one. He needs to prove himself, and, you know – you know, again, we're going to talk about the run game, but also something they did, seven passes to Andrew Harris for another 50, 45 yards, you know, getting him into the game. And I, I was watching the highlights again. There was a lot of play action, a lot of play action, a lot of play action. Even if you don't go to Andrew Harris, that thread is always there. So, you know, you got to have a run game going. And, yeah, I think, you know, when we start seeing more East-East games, you're going to see, like you said, uh, who was it? Hamilton's uh, hasn't got a win yet in the East. Toronto, Toronto's got a couple wins here now against the Western team. I think they should be the favorite to go finish this East off early on. So I'm, I'm feeling good about Toronto. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I think, you know, one thing about the CFL, too, is, you know, it doesn't have to be a perfect painting. And I, I just keep coming back to that NFL game. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember that years ago, Tim Peebles, quarterback of the Denver Broncos through something like five passes and the one uh, one or two passes he made so in overtime and uh, the Broncos find their way to overtime and uh, Tebow decides to throw the ball on the first play of overtime from scrimmage and he throws it for a long touchdown. You know what? Hey, it's, it's football. Anything like that can happen. And uh, I remember being a big Tim Tebow fan and maybe was yelling at my TV in a dead way when that touchdown uh, hit. Uh, really quickly, guys, let's talk about our uh, Week 7 CFL pitch and fantasy league results. Uh, we'll start with the betting. Pretty successful week all the way around for some members of the podcast and others like me who don't make pits. Well, can't complain. Uh, with your weekly update, here's Trey. Sorry, guys. Just uh, I just closed out on it, but I think I have my results here. Uh, yeah, we had a pretty good week, uh, a couple of us. Uh, let's go here. We'll go through uh, our guy, Ryan, who's not here. He's 15-12 and 12 on the year now. He picked up big wins. He took Montreal minus 2.5. He took Winnipeg minus 7 and Toronto plus 3. Only one he got wrong was minus 8 on BC, so he goes 3-1. and one. BC won, but not by enough. Like, what's what's uh, Ryan's thing? Dang, that dang spread got him again. Uh, almost gave him a perfect week. Uh, then we moved to the tractor man, Adam. You're at 15 and 12, too, tied for second. You went two and two. You got Montreal and Toronto, uh, but you got BC wrong as well. And you thought the Bombers were not going to beat Edmonton by seven. Deron Carter needs to make that a pick six, man, and it could have happened, but no. And now myself. I thought it was a trap, man. I thought it was a trap. You thought it was. I thought it was too for a little bit. And then uh, I went three and one. 
I'm 16 and 11. I'm just the new leader now. And I got BC wrong minus eight. I got Montreal minus two and a half. Winnipeg minus seven. And Toronto plus three. Ooh, that juicy plus three. I, that's a line that I really want to look at and what other websites had. Because plus three, you're coming off a win. And half the other team you have has COVID. Like, you know, it's that's a crazy line to think. And I said they're probably going to outright win. And they did. So, you know. I'm seven to one over the last two weeks. I, I don't think I can say that very often. Just keep my chair warm, Trey. Keep my chair warm. <laughs> well, I have a feeling you guys might not to foreshadow anything coming, but you guys might be getting some help with that in the not too distant future. Uh, really quickly in the other fantasy results, this is the CFPN football lead. Uh, Trey, you pulled off a victory over Zad from Bonfire Sports. You improve your record to four and three. Ryan, his unbeaten run comes to an end. He fell to Joel Pritchard from Maru's from Maru's White and Blue podcast. He fell. He falls to six and one. And Adam Manu's much the same for you. You fell to the Argos fantast this week and are now sitting at three and four. You can follow all of these results on Twitter at CFL Pod Fantasy on Twitter and check out all the other podcasts involved in a great lead, but I hear nothing but good things about, but it appears my application got lost in the mail again. So I'll have to have a talk with the commissioner about that one. But the one thing where my expansion paper did successfully uh, pile was in the Canadian Football Countdown Fantasy lead. Uh, the week seven totals are in. Ryan, who is off tonight, uh, led the week, had a week high score of 110.5. I was next with 88.6, buoyed by some big performances from Dalton Schoen and Andrew Harris. Adam had 71.8 points this week, and Trey had 54.9 points. Overall, Adam leads by a smidgen over three point. I can't do math. We'll call it three and a half points. Uh, 642.9. Ryan Nets at 639.3. I'm Nets at 558.2. And Trey has 482 uh, even. Um, guys, just a quick comment from both of you. I know that you are in our fantasy league, but also in uh, the fantasy league for the CFPN. Just how difficult was it? And I'll get one of you to maybe comment on this. Just how difficult was it to make a roster this week uh, given the uncertainty with the Toronto Saskatchewan game, I'll tell you what—it was going to mess my uh, weekly one up for uh, for the CF uh, uh, CFC uh, countdown. Because let's face it, I rely a lot on Saskatchewan, and, and uh, Bully by Mitchell was already on a bye, and so that means if uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson don't play, I got no quarterback. So I was sweating a little bit for the weekly one uh, for the. Uh, uh, what do you call one for the uh, CFL podcast network? 
I mean, let all credit to the Argos fan cast. I mean, they switched it up, picked up some Argonauts and uh, had a great game. And yeah, I got to pick up the pace here, make some trades, make some calls and uh, figure out what I got to do. Because this week here, uh, as we'll allude to more on Wednesday, it's Civil War again, part two, uh, Battle of the Heroes this time. Right, Trey? Yeah, and that one, I, I'm actually surprised how well I did. I thought uh, Deron Carter uh, was going to give me negative points somehow, but no, I ended up doing all right. Uh, yeah, you know, my system's working on that in our pod, or our, this Canadian Football League uh, Network podcast. I don't know how it's working, but it's working its way. But in ours, I don't know what I need to do, guys. I'm go- I, Bedard's first overall this year. Is this his draft? I don't know. We'll try to find him. Find somebody next year to, to re, uh, rewrite this ship, I think. He's multi-talented. He'll play football, too. Yeah. Oh, but since, hey, since we're here on fantasy, I think uh, h- how much do I have to pay you guys that we can do a league vote that Deron's Carter's defensive points will count? Because I'll pay you guys whatever. And Commissioner Ryan, if it's three to one, Commissioner Ryan can't say no to that, right? So, <laughs> Commissioner Ryan, if you're watching, I sense the appeal paper coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, on a more serious note, guys, it's time for the players of the week, and I just want to pull this up here quickly. Uh, we, I don't have the nice uh, slides where you push one and push the other and, and they pop up, but here they are for everybody. Uh, we'll start with Adam's player of the week. Who do you have for player of the week? I mean, people can see it, but why did you pick Gittins Jr. as your player of the week? I mean, let's face it, he had a great game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in a secondary that has been playing pretty good for a Saskatchewan Rough Rider team. He was at open target for McLeod Bethel Thompson most of the night, uh, made some plays, had 152 yards, and of course that one major touchdown that, uh, well, let's face it, I mean, if he didn't have that one, it could have been the other way right away for this uh, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So to me, Curly uh, Gittins Jr. there had, had a really good week had a very strong week against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and a good defense, and, uh, yeah, came out to play. Uh, Mike, why did you pick Dalton Schoen? Um, You know what? This might not be the flashy of the pitch, but just at the time in the game in which he pitched most of his yards. Uh, I thought a bomber offense that was scuffling uh, for the most part, and Dalton Schoen comes up with a big catch before the half to uh, the uh, have a touchdown. Uh, pretty, pretty key moment in the game. Also, anytime you can have uh, uh, the amount of 146 yards in today's CFL, especially on four catches, that's pretty darn good to me. Uh, Ryan submitted his player of the week, and this is one of my actual honorable mentions as well. And it should say quarterback Trevor Harris, not wide receiver Trevor Harris. I copy and pasting the templates over. So he went with quarterback Trevor Harris, 25 out of 31, 81% completion rate, 341 yards, uh, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Ryan picked them. Uh, Ryan admitted uh, to us earlier today that he's been a little bit hard on uh, Trevor Harris lately. Uh, well rewarded with the player of the week. Uh, a guy joined the Canadian 10,000 Rush Club, 10,000-yard uh, Rush Club, and that's where we're going for Trey's Player of the Week. 
Oh, yeah. It's hard not to give it to this guy. Join some elite company of Pringle, Reed, Allen, Bright, and Charles Roberts. You know, anytime you're in the category with those uh, guys, it's pretty easy to give you a player of the week. But he earned it as well, you know. 143 yards didn't get to the t- uh, didn't get to the end zone, but picked up some hard earned yards and yeah he worked hard enough to get his helmet falling off a bunch of times right and uh, yeah you know it's hard to not to, it's hard to go against Andrew Harris you know like I said uh, what Adam alluded do we miss him yeah maybe not now but October November we'll see how that goes when that Grey Cup uh, Toronto versus whatever Western team in the Mosaic. You want a guy like Andrew Harris running the ball when there's 10 feet of snow and, uh, you know, and the crowd runs out of Pilsner, right? You know, you need the run game to go. I'm actually told by uh, Trey that they're actually adding uh, heated uh, pipes to the yeah. uh, to the uh, Trim Pilsner uh, things to make sure that it doesn't freeze when the game's on. You know, I do like Mosaic. I really do like Mosaic. Uh I want to. I want to go to this game one in November, regardless of who plays. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think Toronto and Andrew Harris has a very good shot of being there with how the East is looking. And uh, I'm sure Harris is going to pass Roberts soon, and a couple other guys on this list, especially if he keeps playing this way this year. And I was going to say, I want to make a hot take. If Harris somehow wins the Great Cup this year, I bet that's his retirement. Right. He proved it that he can win without Winnipeg. Maybe he wants to go up the list a little bit more, but that's my prediction. If he wins the Great Cup in Saskatchewan, you know, maybe even against Winnipeg, oh, he'll probably retire. That's an interesting point. I was I was just thinking about that earlier. Um, you know, because I, I, I would consider that to be both ways, right? There's not a lot of people that suggested that Winnipeg could win without Andrew Harris. Um, certainly... You know, the same to be held true uh, the other way around. Quickly, uh, let's get to the – give me one second here. Oops, I am a little bit new on the technical side of this. Uh, the Week 7 power rankings, pretty much the same for – I think, Trey, you'd be okay if I kind of rattled off the, the, the uh, power rankings for the three of us here just to move things along a little bit. Uh, the three of us, me – Adam and Trey have Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Toronto, Saskatchewan, uh, Montreal, Edmonton, Hamilton, and Ottawa. Uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. This is one of the easier power rankings to rank. I think we're starting to finally see some separation. Uh, Ryan, who's off tonight, had Winnipeg, Calgary, BC, Toronto, uh, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, Montreal, Hamilton, and uh, Ottawa. So th- those are our power rankings uh, for this week. So now as we move on to wrapping things up uh, for this week's edition of the Canadian Football Countdown, uh, just a quick reminder here. Uh, we'll look at what's coming up next on the podcast and Ryan has been so kind uh, to send me a note which I'm going to make sure to read uh, before I forget uh, as well. He has a bonus episode uh, coming up this week. It's going to come out on Friday. Uh, He'll be sitting down with college fantasy football analyst Brandon Sanders. You can find him on Twitter at 
CFF University to talk about some of the college fantasy football stars and how that translates to their success in the CFL and in the CFL fantasy world. So it will be uh, out in video form and on podcast channels on Friday. So you get the regular show uh, with Ryan, Adam, and Trey at 9 p.m. previewing next week. And then you get the bonus show on Friday because, well, we are nice people. And since it's not anywhere near Christmas, uh, we like delivering, like Santa does, uh, some bonus episodes uh, every now and then. So looking forward to that chat with uh, you know, well, right, in Saskatchewan, uh, we do have a guy named Christmas, so I mean, it's just like a bonus episode, right? Right, right. And there, I know I have a guy uh, by the last name of Christmas, which is pretty cool uh, as well. Yeah, actually, I just got a note. Uh, I think you and I, you and I were driving along the same wave, wavelength there. Uh, just as we wrap things up on our Week 7 podcast, uh, just a reminder that bonus pod uh, drops Friday. For audio and video on your podcast feed, I usually also have the Wednesday uh, show, uh, which will be at eight o'clock, previewing next week. Also told by a little birdie that there will be a significant announcement that you will not want to miss. Uh, unfortunately, I will not be on the show, so I will have to miss it. The only thing I will say to that is it is a game changer for this podcast. And particularly the way a certain segment operates. That's all you're going to need to know because I got, may have gone too far, but I want to give you a reason uh, to tune in on Wednesday. And then the week eight recap will be next Monday, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Adjust your time zones accordingly as well. You can catch all these great shows and more live every week on YouTube. Search the Canadian Football Countdown, uh, facebook.com slash cfcountdownpod, Twitter at cfc, sorry, cfcountdownpod, Twitch, twitch.tv slash cfccountdownpod, and of course on Game Time TV. And it's new uh, YouTube channel, all made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor, GameTimeTV.ca. I'm going to change the sponsor read because there's a new one coming out. You can find out all the information about GameTimeTV by going to the new and improved website that was launched today. Uh, if you caught the announcement over on the YouTube channel, you're going to be able to catch all our content this season. Watch TV. So you stay tuned for that. Some exciting announcements uh, to come with that. In fact, one announcement that came out today, uh, Game Time TV excited to be back for another season of the Manitoba Women's Junior Hockey League this October. All 75 regular season games and every single playoff game and special event airing exclusively on Game Time TV. Uh, more information to follow in the coming weeks so before i give the final read uh i'm going to give the floor to you guys for any announcements 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Uh Lots of information there to come in the next couple of days. Uh, next couple of weeks, we get closer to the hockey season. Um, Trey, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Trey M B Harness. Um, yeah, I don't really talk about lately. I've just been uh, sending get, uh, Star Wars gifts to Adam and back and forth. But if you want to talk about UFC, golf, hockey, football, baseball, uh, horse, big horse racing, if you can't tell by my name. Uh, if you want to see in about 20 minutes, I'll tell you if I hit the pick five at Assiniboia Downs because that last race is coming up because uh, I'm sure I'll tell you there. So, yeah, at Trey MB Harness. Um, yeah, anytime uh, you want to talk about anything. Uh, Adam, what about you? Yeah, you can find me over at Adam Stewart one Either I'm trying to troll Trey with uh, Star Wars posts, uh, either that or I'm going and uh, talking about a 28-3 to or 28-5 to drubbing uh, from the Toronto Blue Jays over on the Boston Red Sox. I should also add that that was way, here you go, Mike, there was way more points scored in that game than there was in the Edmonton-Winnipeg game. Come on, guys. Anyways, uh, you can find me over at, at Adam Stewart one If you're looking for Instagram content, Farmer in Sask. Yes, I know, it's pretty generic, but hey, you can find me over there as well if you're looking for some cool pictures of Hang or... You know, just come and visit with me. I'm usually pretty easy going. Uh, and uh, yeah, see you on Wednesday. Uh, see, uh, come in for the uh, CFL talk and stay for the Star Wars banter. Mike? Yeah, that is a perfect way to put a bow on it, gentlemen. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at CF uh, Countdown Pod. Make sure you check, us, check out CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, for this and all the other great shows on the Canadian Football uh, Podcast Network. Whatever podcast uh, platform you're listening on, we appreciate all you do. We appreciate your patience as Ryan gave us the keys to the car this week. I can honestly say it's much smoother this week than the last week, uh, as evidenced by the first 10 seconds this week. Uh, Also, the show wouldn't be anything without... Uh, your comments, uh, which have come in on the feed all night long, we appreciate it. Uh, make sure you do all the other things, such as comment, like, rate, review, subscribe, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We wouldn't uh, be anything without you, the viewer. Also, a special shout-out to those of you uh, listening to this on your podcast feeds or on demand. Make sure you join us uh, when you can for a live show. Uh, your support means a lot to us. Without further ado, that is going to do it for this week. Uh, for Adam Stewart, uh, Trey Colbert, Michael Justin, have a great rest of your week. You'll see those guys, everybody but me, on Wednesday night. Uh, enjoy the football, everybody. Stay safe. Have a great week. And we will talk to you next Monday night. Bye for now.